Welcome to Jury Duty. I'm your host, Chris Terracone. Season 8 of Jury Duty explores the trial of Alex Murdoch, a member of one of the most powerful families in South Carolina who is accused of murdering his son Paul and his wife Maggie, with the purpose of covering up a multitude of alleged crimes including fraud and homicide. In our last episode, we continued our look at the direct examination of Blanca Simpson, a longtime friend of Maggie Murdoch who also worked for the Murdoch family. In this installment, we follow up with the next portion of John Matter's questioning of Ms. Simpson. That's all coming up right after the break. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. It is the late morning of February 10th, 2023, day 13 of the trial of Alex Murdoch. As we concluded our last episode, Blanca Simpson, who worked as a housekeeper for the Murdoch family, testified that while she recalled the clothes that Alex Murdoch was wearing just before the murders, she never saw those clothes again after the killings. As we begin this installment, Prosecutor Metters continues his direct examination of the witness by asking her about her continued activities and work for the Murdoch family in the days after the murders. Did you stay on and work for a period of time for Alex Murdoch at the Moselle? Yes, sir, I did. And did your day-to-day functions change after June 7th as far as Moselle itself? Yes, sir. They did. Well, tell them how that happened and what the change was. After Alec, after Alec, after Maggie and Paul were um, were killed, Alec did not stay on the property. On the tenth, when I believe his father passed away, after so the murder. Yes, I believe after the service that we had for him at the cemetery, Alec called and asked if my husband and I would. Um, stay on the property because him and Buster were not going to be able to stay there. So we agreed to take care of the property and, and um, maintain it while he, he said uh, until he decides what he's going to do with it. And did, in fact, you and your husband start riding there for a period of time? We did. And, and what, uh, were, you, were you paid for that? Yes, sir. Okay. Well, do you mind telling them how much? He would give me 1500 a week to make sure that anything needed for the farm was taken care of, and my husband and I would maintain cutting the grass um, on that property, which is a lot of grass out there, and it would take an excess of two days to cut. You cut it? Yes, sir. My hu- I would help my husband. Were you also taking care of the dogs? Yes, sir. Tell these folks what were the dogs' names? Grady and Bubba. Grady and Bubba. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Um, you fed them? Yes, sir. Took care of them? Yes, sir. Whatever today is. Where's Bubba today? He's with me. So you have Bubba in your home? Yes, sir, I do. Did Bubba have his own pen? Yes, he did. I don't know if you've seen, but could at some point, and I'll keep going to the video of... Well, could we play that now, please, so we can get it to the video? The video. 
please. And before, oh, before we get there, when, when, and I'm sorry, I'm going back to this real quick. Is that the shirt he left for the office in that day? No, sir. Okay. John Metters takes a moment to confer with lead prosecutor Creighton Waters before he continues. Have you ever seen Bubba with a, an animal in his mouth? Yes, sir. Right, tell him about that, please. Like the... Um, when Bubba was running around, if I would, if I or anybody, we, if the chickens were running out of the coop, he would chase the chickens and he would just go after the chickens or the guineas, whatever was out there. And would you ever catch him? Yes, he would. And how would Bubba, the chicken, get out of Bubba's mouth? And You have to make several attempts to, to get the chicken out of his mouth, and at points he would growl at you if you tried to take his toy. I beg, basically, that's what he... In your experience in being there, was it easier for a family member or somebody Bubba knew to get the chicken out? If he w He's stubborn. Yes, sir. Okay. <laughs> but would it take a period of time to get the chicken out of Bubba's mouth? Yes, it would. August the 24th, Yes, sir. Uh, did you have a conversation with Alex Murdahl about a shirt? Yes, I did. And, and let's go back. Where did this take place? At the little house. All right. What do you mean, the little house? After Paul and Maggie were killed, Paul, um, um, Alec was not staying at Moselle. My husband and I were, and he would often stay in different places. But all his clothes and... Um, toiletries and everything were placed in the house that sits between Mr. Johnny Parker and his brother Randy. There's a small two-bedroom house right there, and that's where all his belongings at the time went. And where is that located? In Hampton. Okay, in Hampton. Who furnished this little house with clothes and toiletries and made sure stuff was there? I did. And who was Alex Murdoch staying there with when he stayed there, if anybody? He never stayed there. He would just go and get his clothing and eat whatever, you know, if he ha would have a snack or something. He wasn't really eating. Well, during the month of August, do you remember him having a conversation with you about a shirt? Yes, sir. Did you find that to be unusual? Yes, sir. Okay. Tell them what the conversation was and why you found it unusual. Please. Um, he, he walked in to the little house and I was almost, I was getting ready to leave. And um, he said, B, I need to talk to you. And uh, he said, come here, sit down. So I went in the living room, I sat down and he was pacing back and forth in the, in the living room. And he said, I got a bad feeling. He said, I got a bad feeling. He said, something's not right. And then he said, um, he said, well, you know, um, there's a, um, a video. There was a video that was out I hadn't seen a video. And he said, you remember the shirt I was wearing, that Vinnie Vine shirt? Those were, that's what he said to me. And uh, in my mind, I was saying, I don't remember a Vinnie Vine's shirt. It was the polo shirt, but I didn't mention. He said, well, you know what? I was wearing that shirt. He said, um, you know, in the, um, that day. And still, I, I was just, I didn't say anything, but I was kind of, thrown back because I don't remember that. I don't remember him wearing that shirt that day when he left. I know what shirt he was wearing because I fixed the collar, and the collar's a different material. I don't know what a Vinnie Vine shirt is, but when he left that day, was he wearing a Vinnie Vine shirt, or was he wearing the collar you've described? It was a polo shirt. Oh, polo. It's using your common sense that it appeared to you he was trying to take you to say I was yeah, wearing the shirt. Defense attorney Dick Harpoodlian objects on the grounds that the question calls for the witness to speculate. 
Judge Clifton Newman sustains the objection, and Mr. Metters rephrases his question. How did you take that conversation? I felt confused at first, and then I know what he was wearing the day he left the house, and I was basically confused. I didn't really know whether he was trying to get me to say that that shirt, if I, was, if I was to be asked that if that was a shirt he was wearing the day. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. John Metters pauses his questioning to consult with the defense team. He then brings a document to the witness stand and hands it to Ms. Simpson. Ms. Simpson puts on her glasses and reads the document. Do you recognize these and do they relate to your testimony without saying what they are? Yes. On September 4th of 2021, did you have a conversation with Defendant Alex Murdoch? I did. Okay. And what did he ask you to do? He asked me to um, send him copies, send him a photo of the insurance cards. And do you know what day of the week that was? And I'll go back here so you can talk. I'm sorry. I don't remember the, the day. All I know is it's on, it's on my phone. He asked you to send him a copy of his medical card? Oh, it was on a Saturday morning. Because the next day was my daughter's birthday. That early that morning when he called me, he, he asked me, when I sent him the, the picture of the plastic insurance card, um, he said, no, I need the cardboard one. Well, the cardboard one was in Maggie's purse. It wasn't in the area where I usually kept the cards in the cabinet. So I told him, I said, it's in Maggie's purse. He said, well, go ahead and, and get, the, um, get the cards and send me a picture of them. And... Uh, I asked him if he was okay, and he said, um, well, I'm just getting some routine exams done, he said, and I need the number so I could go ahead and schedule these appointments. And it was a Saturday because I was um, I was thinking, where's he going to go to get lab, oh, you know, uh, appointments done on a Saturday. But I didn't say anything. I made, I went and I took pictures, and I sent him all the copies of the cards that I found. In asking his next set of questions, John Metters again references the documents he had previously presented to Ms. Simpson. Were you texting with Alex Murdoch about sending these cards? Yes, I was. And that's the text, and is that the, his medical card you sent him a picture of? One of the medical cards I sent him a picture of, yes. Please listen to me carefully and don't go any farther than my answer and ask, okay? Yes, sir. After this date, September 4th, 2021, did you and your husband quit living at Mazelle? We did. A couple other questions, and I know everybody's glad I'm sitting down. Um, 
in addition to cleaning the house, did you ever look at Maggie's Mercedes to try to clean it afterwards? I did. What if anything did you find? As I was cleaning the vehicle, removing her... Uh... Dick Harpudlian again rises to object. I'll object unless she gives a date, or at least a range of dates. Do you remember when that was? That was uh, about a week after. Okay. After the murder. When did you, do you remember when you cleaned her car? I, I cleaned the car when they asked me to pick it up from the um, sheriff's, the impound sheriff's department. And, and who asked you to pick it up? Randy and his wife had dropped off Paul's truck and they were getting ready to leave to go out of town. So he asked if my husband and I could go pick up the Mercedes from the impound and bring it back to the house. And did you clean it after that? I did. And what did you find, if anything? Well, she still had um, paint um, for the Edisto house that she was trying to touch up some areas at the at the house. And Edisto, she had some pillows that she was going to return. And as I moved the seat to clean, um, to vacuum underneath the, the driver's side seat, I found um, her ring. Her what? Her ring. Her wedding band. Now, did... Did Maggie, based on your time with her and experience, like being at Moselle by herself? No. And leading up to the murders, was she anxious about anything? She had a conversation with me a few months prior. Um, I, I walked in the house, and um, Maggie said, Hey, Blanc, he said, she said, I got to talk to you. I got something to tell you. And so um, she said, Let me make some coffee. And she went and made a pot of coffee. She made me a cup. She made herself a cup, and we went. She said, let's go talk. And I, we went into the hunting room, and uh, she closed the door because Alec was sleeping in the bedroom, which is on the other side of the house, but she closed the door. When Maggie closed the door... Dick Harpudlian objects on the grounds that the question calls for the witness to recount hearsay evidence uttered by another person. Oh, hearsay. Response. Judge, I think, was she anxious about money issues? I object to him. I know you're objected, and, and, but he is tired. Your objection. And, well, I don't care what you're doing. Uh, there's an objection to the previous question. The objection is sustained. While entertaining the objection, you cannot pose another question. The objection is sustained. I apologize. Yes, sir. I hesitate, but this is a matter that needs to be put on the record. After Judge Newman sends the jury away, Dick Harpudlian makes a motion for a mistrial based on the prejudicial impact of Prosecutor Metter's improper question on the jury. But objected, knowing where he was going, which was, and in that same interview, by the way, that she gave about a statement where Maggie said that she was concerned about money, she also indicated Maggie was never concerned about money. Either way, it's hearsay. He said... Before your honor ruled, was she concerned about money or wasn't she concerned about money? He testified, which is to hearsay, I would move for mistrial. I think it's unduly prejudicial based on the last three weeks we've heard of financial misconduct on part of the defendant. And uh, if, I would move for mistrial. Um, I would move uh, that it's un not mistrial because I don't think. Even if you give this jury an instruction, you can't unring the bell. Um, you can't correct that. Um, and now I've had to draw attention to it, even more so by objecting to it. He knew that was wrong. Thank you, Your Honor. Prosecutor John Metters responds. Uh, Mr. Metters, 
Your Honor, and, and, and for the record, I apologize. That question, I don't have to say it. We're, we're, not, we're not here about apologies. Go ahead. But I can't help. Yes, sir. Um, Judge, under 803, and what I should have brought to the court's attention first, 8033, we think this would be admissible. Hearsay exception, then existing mental, emotional, or physical condition. The statement of the declarant, then existing state of mind, emotion, sensation, or physical condition. Uh, we think it fits under that rule, how she was. And that's all I was going to listen. That's it. I won't go. And, and, and hearsay was coming out a little bit there. A lot of hearsays come out in this trial. They wasn't objecting. It just was rolling. I wasn't trying to plan that part ahead. But I do think respectfully it comes in there. We'd like you to consider under 8033, Judge. And that's what I should have said before I asked the question. Again, for the record, say I'm sorry. Judge Newman reads from the South Carolina criminal code cited by Prosecutor Metters. 8033, the following are not excluded by the hearsay rule even though the declarant is available as a witness. A statement of the declarant's then existing state of mind, emotion, sensation, or physical condition, such as intent, plan, motive, design, mental feelings, pain, and bodily health, but not including a statement of memory or belief to prove the fact remembered or believed unless it relates to the execution, revocation, identification, or terms of declarant's will. Ms. Harpooley? Uh, obviously, Your Honor, I don't think that's covered by 803. Um, Why not? Well, because it's the declarant. And maybe we need to ask her exactly what she said before we you rule on that. Um, all, the only testimony we've heard on that point is his. Uh, we heard a, a question, then an objection, and then another question while the court was listening to your objection. Yes. Uh, so we'll have a proffer of this testimony and see where it's, where it's going. With the jury still outside of the courtroom, John Metters poses to Blanca Simpson the question he intended to ask. In the recording, it is difficult to make out what he says. So to paraphrase, Metters asks whether Maggie Murdoch expressed anxiety about anything on the day before she was murdered. Ms. Simpson responds. Yes, sir. Please tell the judge. She was worried because a lawsuit had been presented stating that they wanted $30 million. Maggie was crying. Maggie said, I, we don't have that kind of money, Blanc, and that's what she used to call me. Um, she said, we don't have that. She said, if I, can, if I could give them everything that I got and make this go away, she said, I would do it in a heartbeat. I'm not, she said, I'll start over. We'll start over. She said, I just want it gone. Listening to a proffer, go ahead. Would that be a, instead of that long, would that be like money issues that she was worried about? The money issues dealing with the lawsuit. And Your Honor, that's all I was going to offer her. I asked for money issues. I wasn't looking to even go in detail on what she said there. Dick Harpoolian offers his rebuttal to the prosecution's argument and restates his objection. I, I don't quite understand um, how this fits into, first, the, the, uh, what you allowed in under 403, 404B, um, and Ray it's not prior right. Um, it is her perception that the law, her perception that the lawsuit, you know, for thirty million dollars, putting financial stress on her. Uh, there's not any. Uh, she's not relating that Alex has any stress on him. He's the one on trial. Her perception that the thirty million dollars is making her was concerning her. I mean, she's not accused. That is Maggie Murdoch, not the defendant here. There's no connecting it to the defendant. Um, I don't understand what. I mean. Not only is it hearsay, it's not relevant to the issues being litigated here. Her state of mind on financial issues, I don't know how that, how that relates. 
Anything further? No. Yeah. Judge Newman renders his decision on the defense objection and motion for mistrial. We've had testimony uh, elicited by the defense throughout the trial uh, from witnesses um, portraying the family as a loving, uh, loving and happy marriage. Uh, question posed to Mr. Gibson, I believe it was, and to the other friend of of, of Paul's and um, and Buster's, as to whether the family was anxious or seemed to have any. Um, concerns or issues going on at the time. And I find that this testimony properly responds to it, to that testimony and the objection is overruled. Anything else? All right, uh, let's t take a one minute stretch before the jury comes back. And with Judge Newman overruling Dick Harpudlian's objection, we bring to a close this episode of Jury Duty, the trial of Alex Murdoch. Please join us on our next installment as we conclude our review of the direct examination of Blanca Simpson. Also, check out the Crime Story podcast, Night Raid, wherever you get your podcasts. And, if you would like to listen to these episodes early and ad-free, head over to our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You can find more information about this trial on our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page or at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created and produced by Carrie and Tholis. It was co-produced, written, and edited by yours truly, Chris Terracone. Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio. Trial audio is courtesy of Law & Crime Networks. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty.